0: Hi everybody, welcome to a new episode of the Women Who Are in International Relations Podcast. I'm your host, Natalia Bonilla. And for today's episode, we will be addressing Barbados Republic announcement. As you can hear, there's a lot of rain. I'm currently based in Puerto Rico, back home, and the weather has been uh good very good but today is very rainy and i don't have any pads on my wall so excuse the sound of rain or if you want to you know uh ease back and chill out and listen to this episode with a cup of tea or cup of cocoa or coffee like please do so (laughs) i am having an incredible view in front of me of full full uh forest and rain and it's incredible. Um some of you have seen the insta stories on my personal account and I mean it's it's super cool to be back home at least today. It may change in the following weeks but meanwhile it's been cool to you know touch base, go back to your roots and be in the Caribbean <laughs> and you know news comes from this region and felt incredible to address the recent announcement yesterday i mean the whole ceremony that took place uh on barbados um you know uh, declaring uh the formation of a republic and removing uh, queen elizabeth as head of state and this is definitely down by Ali. I used to cover uh, the French-speaking and the English-speaking Caribbean for FNU's agency back in 2014 and 2016 and it's definitely been quite a journey. (laughs) I know a lot of this word gets thrown around but it's been quite a journey to see the evolution of politics in this specific region and Coming back at this time, it feels like a cycle is completed because back in 2014, the biggest calls with the Caribbean community was not only in terms of uh, finance and economic development, but also in terms of climate change and the blue economy. and. You know, I used to travel to St. Lucia, to Bahamas, to all these places to try to cover you know, only the work of the World Bank and several um, international organizations on the region, but also in terms of political means and the talk of uh, women in leadership positions, specifically in Trinidad and Tobago and Jamaica, when Um, particularly in those times that I was covering the region, they had female heads of state. And Barbados was an incredible point of reference for talks in finance and in talks as well on reparations. Though mostly was pursued on the Caribbean community, which is considered to be CARICOM, or that's like the name of the institution i'm not saying it as you know as a symbolic meaning but it's an institution called the caribbean community i have found some interesting dynamics that i will explore in this episode with you Um, the first part of this episode will be mostly like a simple explanation about what really happened yesterday, November 30th, in this ceremony, why this announcement is important, what we should be on the lookout for in terms of politics politics and international relations kind of view. In the second part of this episode, we will be addressing something different. It will be a commentary, yes, with feminist or gender lenses, but instead of focusing on the state as a structure, I want to address the profile or the level of study of IR of the individual. some of you have followed the Women Leaders Around the World, the playlist on our YouTube channel. They have as well. We also have a course in the Spanish language of women leaders around the world. And there's something very interesting about Sandra Mason's, the new president of Barbados vision for Barbados and for the region that I think is important to address here on the commentary ver- uh, uh, section. And we will also be addressing will this be any indication of decolonization taking place? And there are interesting dynamics to explore here. So stick around. (laughs) Um, Before we go to the first part, I just have a quick announcement. On December 14th, we will be launching a free live webinar on a a feminist perspective to the women, peace and security agenda. We have covered some of it on an episode uh, version or format But as we have already recorded a free webinar on gender and international relations 101, we are also going to record one on feminist perspectives to the WPS. If you're interested in joining us, I will list it down below on the description box. You're more than welcome to join. Uh, It's free and as well we can have a live Q&A together and explore some of these dynamics. There are many, many things happening right now in the world. <laughs> that are connected to feminist approaches that don't get, you know, the time of a day in international news media. So if you're eager to join, December 14th, save the date. We see you live on the community. Okay, let's begin. First part Barbados has officially become a republic at least that's the announcement that took place on november 30th with the official removal of queen elizabeth of the united kingdom as the foreign head of state and with the replacement of this specific figure with a Barbadian president this was a move that was agreed upon on september 2020 and back then um, Sandra Mason, who was uh, the Governor General of Barbados, took office in 2018, declared that it was time that Barbados had its own Barbadian head of state. Since September 2020, there has been a lot of conversations, a lot of political and social conversations and movements. And back in uh, May 2021, The government of Prime Minister Mia Amor uh, Matli created a Republican status transition advisory committee, which was comprised of 10 member group tasked with helping create this transition from the monarchical state system to a republic. It is important to acknowledge here that barbados had already gained independence in 1966 process of a nation-state building away from the influence of the british empire was hampered in the last four or five decades because of this and many other (laughs) factors for precisely this political view of the constitution and the system that's what's shifting right now is that the specific government of uh, Lee and mason is proposing or envisioning a barbados that actually is completely independent and accountable and aware of its own political governance model. This vision was not met without opposition. Minority groups, civil society, academic groups were you know, holding the red alert flag, not because they didn't want Barbados to do this um, announcement or to make this transition, but in terms of how this transition was announced. And there are two factors that they're chiming in and still nowadays is one of the key questions to explore in this case, if you're interested. The first is that no public referendum was held to make this decision. The second is that little public consultation took place on how this transition will be made. So the first part is that, yes, the announcement of declaring Barbados a republic is important and perhaps it it had the support of the majority of people. Great. But there's not a democratic tool or instrument or survey or (laughs) any type of document that says that that's the will of the people. We can you know suppose or create this hypothesis that because the current government of mason and motley holds two-thirds of the majority in the parliament of Barbados, then you know it's a given that you know the party in power is doing what the the citizens want once again that's a supposition. Another key element of the ceremony that took place on November 30th was the presence of Prince Charles, the heir of the British uh, throne and the future head of the Commonwealth of Nations. Barbados is still to this day member of the Commonwealth. Um, They have not said that they will leave this specific um, system or association. But the presence of Prince Charles reaffirmed not only that, you know, the British rule or the British uh, throne was agreeing with this type of decision because they could have not sent any representative there and be like, I send, you know, a press release and that's it. Um, but rather, you know, having the presence of Prince Charles was significant in that sense. In his speech, he reaffirmed that, you know, the United Kingdom is willing and, you know, interested in keeping specifically the the close and trusted relationship that they had. Um, also, you know, he used words saying admiration, affection, cooperation, and opportunity. Those are values that... Barbados as well as the British uh, throne and the British rule still upholds and he also recognized the harmful colonial past and you know the the need to continue healing the wounds created by the British rule in 400 years but also the slavery that took place in Barbados. Barbados was an important place for the English um, or the British Empire. It was a huge economy for the sugar production as well as the slavery. It was also the first island where the British rule, at least in the Caribbean region, uh, passed its first laws on governance, on law, on property ownership, land ownership, and you know slave ownership as well as we know. <laughs> um, so So to talk about Barbados is significant to this conversation on colonization and decolonization as well, which we will talk in a bit, because it was through slave, work that many of the old money big fortunes in the british empire and the united kingdom still nowadays were created so that specific wealth of old money i mean we can trace it back not all of it but you know if we trace it back to you know all these prestige families etc that we will find some ties to the work that took place during colonial rule. So with this ceremony, beyond the declaration of Rihanna as a national hero, um, another key element is that uh, we saw that Barbados became the second um, member of the Commonwealth of Nations to remove the queen as a head of state it was done prior by the island of mauritius in 1992. okay so let's begin with the second part of this episode i want to be making episodes shorter ones of 20 minutes so let's see if i can achieve that today um the second part is gonna be brief i have a commentary first on the decolonization conversation is this really a route of decolonization what really inspired this movement etc it's interesting in the case of barbados to explore because since the 1960s there has been talks on nation-state building through other lenses than the monarchic system but somehow you know there was a lot of resistance from civic to political parties to engage in that type of model. Right now, we can see that with the current administration, there is a strong, strong commitment to shift the paradigm and create the Republic model. However, the way that they have done it, you know, raises the question of, is it really democratic? I mean, you know, with the whole conversation, I think I shared it before, like two thirds of the parliament does that really represents the will of the people If no public, you know, referendum was held specifically on this issue, you know, to change all these status. And if no consultation, or little consultation, whatever little means, you know, because it could say, you know, you should have done it longer periods. That's one of the criticisms that yes, public consultations took place but in very limited spaces and in a very limited time frame. Hey, we are in a pandemic, 2020. You know, change our lives, but perhaps because it's 2020, perhaps because there was a lot of problems with the pandemic, you know, they couldn't extend public consultations for years to perhaps, you know, change the government and then, you know, the situation could not have taken place. So, I mean, that's a very risky take to explore because there are many elements that intrinsically or extrinsically are affecting that this decision or announcement was so fast for some people. And then, what's fast for some people? Is there a generational gap for those that believe that things should be slow, you know, take time, you know? <laughs> or, you know, other people are like, let's get it over with, which appears to be some of the people in the current administration. So, that's a, an, an issue to explore. But I think that the most interesting part on the decolonization talk. Is that though we are removing the head of state of Queen Elizabeth and that's an important step and you know moving past the monarchy and you know let's get it over etc. There's a call by Sandra Mason, the, the new president, elected in uh, October 2021 as president. She was already governor general of Barbados. But she had these plans, and I'm sharing all these uh, in the recommended articles of this episode, she had this plan. Or that's the quote (laughs) of, of creating a Caribbean version of the European Union where the Barbados was leading that. And I'm gonna quote here, some interview that apparently um the france 24 has um i'm sharing it down below in the description box opening quote i am a zealot when it comes to caribbeanness i believe in regional integration i believe that is something that has to come to fruition closing quote another quote open i believe it might not come in true form when i am yet alive but i will go to my grave hoping that this will happen someday closing quote it's important to note that sandra is a lawyer a jurist and a politician she's 72 years old and as we have seen in the women leaders around the world in the playlist on youtube when we you know uh, explore the different profiles of women leaders she has become a figure with a plan with a vision for the nation and that's important because there has been a lot of he- skepticism es- on the nation state building and how hampered it has been due to colonial influence it will be interesting to see how this vision not only of Barbados as a new republic but also you know as this Caribbean union if they are not going to follow suit through Caricom or Caribbean community, which is already an institution, if they're gonna, you know, create a new one, or that's a vision to create a new one other under the same currency. Is it possible that they're replicating models still from the north? Only that it works now for them. Is that really decolonial? And if we add to that question, the lack or or the little, whatever little may mean, (laughs) public consultation, then is it an ambition that is far from the reality that people want to live in? People on the ground at least, or is elitism rising in a way i mean i don't know these are questions that i'm sharing because you know it starts wondering why the european union like out of many things that you could you know replicate it's like why that you know she could have said the african union she could have said the united nations she could have you know said anything from you know the south asian association i don't i don't know you know like there could have been many other models of reference but going back to something like european union you know it makes you think about the impact brexit had and perhaps how Barbadians felt about brexit because they were you know tied in this sense with the united kingdom i mean yeah there are many questions that arise from there (laughs) And lastly the other perception that is left um you know with a big question mark is the whole reparations movement one of the hypotheses between political experts on these barbados announcements and serve sort of money is that you know black lives matter movement what happened in 2020 actually pushed the government to declare this so soon How is this administration, you know, addressing racism, um, colonial past or systemic wounds or social inequalities or, you know, reparations or historic education from now on? How will the constitution will look like? These are big questions that perhaps we will know in the following weeks and following months or years, <laughs> maybe as well as years. Um, but yeah, um, if the land remains in the Commonwealth is still under the influence in a way of the British rule. But, you know, this whole conversation of the Commonwealth is that because it's voluntary, members are all equal or consider each other equal but then the queen and the kingdom uh, or the queendom <laughs> of the united kingdom <laughs> see the commonwealth as oh this beautiful space that we need to mother and we need to take care and we need to you know help etc it's like wait so if we're all equal why does the queen need to, you know, have all these feelings and, you know, mother the nations and, you know, have the young ones join associations in the US, in the U.K.? I mean, it's just very this weird dynamic. I mean, <laughs> aren't we all equal, <laughs> you know? Um, before I forget, there was something interesting to share about the profile of Mason and the profile of Motley, but specifically the profile of Mason, because it is it is a pattern that you find here in the Caribbean whenever a woman rises to power positions. It happened in Trinidad and Tobago with Kamala Persad v. Cesar, and then in Jamaica, Marcia Simpson-Miller. Uh, and it was that, The political opponents and some parts of the population, I think it was more growing in Jamaica, but in Trinidad and Tobago, there was another dynamic, was that the conversation that they were being used by the political parties as scapegoats for specific decisions. I'm not saying that that's the case of um, Barbados, apparently with all that we have analyzed and the more that you research on the profiles of Mason and the profiles of Mudley, they're very, very in tune and very aligned throughout all their history of work and political uh, participation. They are walking the talk. They are advocating for what they truly believe. And they have very big ambitions, which is interesting to know because, you know, is a powerhouse in a sense to have two leaders that you know will be co-signing you know documents constitution perhaps you know like big big um decisions for the future of barbados as a republic so that's it for today's episode i tried to make it 20 minutes but it's 25. Um Yeah, please be sure to uh, follow us on Instagram at IR. We are also on Twitter, so drop a line and share with us your feedback. What are your views on this announcement? Share with us any recommended articles for us to explore. If you are an expert on decolonization and, you know, Caribbean region, and want to explore more deeply what are the things happening in this specific part of the world, please share a line, DM us, and we'll be happy to schedule an interview with you and explore further women's roles, womenhood in this specific part of the globe. Also reminder that on December 14th, we have the free live webinar on feminist perspectives to women, peace and security agenda one on one, this is a very introductory uh, module. Um, this is part, as uh, you all know, of the online course that we launched on July 2021 in the Spanish language. And we are starting to do it in the English language now. So, um, yeah, be on the lookout for that. We'd love to see you there. Um, check on uh, the links on the description box to join. Subscribe to our newsletter. By subscribing, you will receive the free webinar on Gender and International Relations 101, a full hour explaining... Three key main topics on feminist theory, feminist foreign policy models, and more. And yeah, that's it for today. Thank you so much for tuning in. Talk to you soon.